0: And it's all about drag balls and drag race and RuPaul and that type of stuff and striking a pose and getting trophies and also the AIDS pandemic and the fact that um, a lot of uh, transgender women at the time, in order to live a life, um, they had to do prostitution on the side. But at night, they used to also go and participate in these competitions where they felt alive and the only time they felt seen by society. And they did actually address something in there around how much uh attention the madonna song vogue did for them and how it was just a moment and these people had to live um the life
1: hello and welcome to geek sweat you're listening to your news reviews and interviews podcast with the geek sweat team we are here and available on several different channels of podcast presentation distribution so thank you for finding us again Today, we are going to be doing a hot topic, and the hot topic title is called Lockdown Guilt watches. Joining me today are Stephen. Hello. And MKH. Now, the reason why I picked this topic is because we've been at home for a significant period of time, and for some people an unexpected amount of time, in order to uh, comply with lockdowns, restrictions and keeping ourselves free, clear and healthy of the pandemic. But during that time, we've also found ourselves watching series that have become available and perhaps series that are only available for streaming services. And today we are going to talk about some series that are godlike, either a matter of life and death, and in some cases about body movement and distortion. So uh, with our... Uh, premise of Lockdown Guilt Watches and perhaps stuff that you might not want to watch but we found ourselves watching anyway. Um, Stephen, have you found anything different with your viewing practices or your principles of what's a good show to watch?
2: Yeah. Yeah, I've just been watching anything. (laughs) (laughs) You've lowered the bar. I have. I've lowered the bar significantly and I'm quite enjoying lowering the bar for a while
1: yeah okay okay and mkh um have you found yourself loosening your belt and getting into your jogging bottoms of uh, tv series or online streaming oh what are you talking about wanking <laughs> no we're talking about loosening our our um we're not getting that relaxed we're talking about loosening our um, depending on what you're watching
0: stuff. i guess depending on what your your guilt your guilty pleasure is <laughs> um I was going to say that um, for me, during lockdown, television has been divided into three different categories. There's stuff that everyone likes, which I like. Uh, there's stuff that everyone likes, which I hate, but I still watch it. And there's stuff that um, I'm not supposed to like, but I love watching. I, I've, I've categorized all television into, into those three categories. And I was going to say, I actually got the premise of this wrong in terms of guilty pleasures okay and i actually thought it was stuff which isn't popular and we shouldn't like but we do like but going by the suggestion that you guys are on it sounds like you guys are going with um what's it called popular um opinion
1: no, no. I think what it is, I think it depends on what, how you want to phrase guilt-watches. I, I want to keep it open. So for me, it's like stuff that I know I probably don't like, but I'm continuing to watch anyway. I don't want to say hate watching so much. And I know that's a thing as well on the internet where people have um, what they call uh, watch. Is it watch videos? Um, uh, what's the word that they call it? Watch parties. Where people want to neg on a particular series or a particular film. For example, Batman and Robin starring George Clooney, and people will watch it so they can text in the how bad it is. But I think this is my, I'm talking about it like something that I know better that I should have watched. For you, what does guilt watching or guilty pleasure watching mean for you, MKH?
0: Um, So, something that's really bad, um, the general consensus that it is really bad. But you still enjoy it. It still brings you joy. So sure. similar to watching *The Room* or *Bird Demic*, those okay. two masterpieces.
1: So just going as a quick round table, just the titles only. Um, Stephen, what are you? What's your opening gambit? What are you going to put on the table? Antiques Road Trip. Antiques Road Trip. So this is the BBC One series, which I'm guessing is yeah. on the night there, Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Anything else? Uh,
2: Death in Paradise,
1: okay, which is another BBC iPlayer. Um, and I think Britbox as well, is that correct? That has it, yep. Okay, cool. I'm gonna step in with American Gods, which is on uh Amazon Prime, uh, which is the uh TV series or streaming series adaptation of the New game book. And uh, MKH, what are you bringing to the book?
0: Um, so I'm bringing FX his own pose. And also Netflix original series Bonding.
1: Okay, okay. So what we might do is so we've got Bonding, Pose, Death in Paradise, and Antiques Roadshow. So maybe what we'll do is go alphabetical order uh, to show the, that we're trying to be democratic. about it. Stephen, tell us about Antiques Road Trip. What's gone right or wrong? With road Trip. A- you get you get two you get two antiques experts, and then
2: they get given money, and then they go to antiques shops and buy antiques with the money. And then they sell it later on that day at an auction and the the money they make, they then take to the next day. They do it for a week. So five days, yeah. they all come up each day. And it's very relaxing.
1: Okay, would you say it's a guilt watch because you kind of stay clear of reality TV? Yeah, I don't, I don't watch that
2: sort of stuff with members of the public or just people, celebrities. I don't, I don't generally watch that sort of thing. Hmm. I mean I, I dare to say it might be I, I slightly fell in love with one of the antiques people
0: oh, and it. so
2: I, I I seeked out
1: her um her um
0: a coffin <laughs> what was she there <laughs> <laughs> I
1: think he's try, trying to say social media presence I, I seeked right?
2: out her episodes so that I could watch oh yes that she's in she's got a nice voice I'm, I'm a very big fan of ASMR you see you know if you don't know what ASMR is it's of people whispering (laughs) um,
1: was it audio sensual movement response or something it's it's like there's a feeling people get that if
2: people talk with like a soft voice and demonstrate something it can give you a sort of kind of nice little buzz yeah um it's not a sexual thing
1: oh i know what it is autonomous sensory meridian response so it's the idea that hearing the sounds in real in 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 your ears like in a more quality or texture, is that right?
2: Yeah, yeah, like gentle sounds that kind of it's, it's like, like it's a lot of ASMR's girls with soft voices kind of explain yeah. M- things.
1: MKH, would you find yourself watching Antiques Road Trip because <laughs> your face has dropped with disappointment <laughs> and
0: Steven? Um, uh-huh. I, I... <laughs> wait, is it actually called Road Trip or is it Road Show? Are those two separate. Uh, I think roadshow is a different thing. That's when lots of people take their stuff to a stately home. Is that the
1: Dickinson or Dickinson? It's Fiona uh, Bruce.
0: Okay. Oh, okay. So the roadshow. Okay. No, that's definitely not something I would be interested in. But the ASMR, no, a- A-S-M-R yeah, does intrigue me because I'm a massive fan of ASMR. I watch a lot of videos on the internet um, where people get um, their back adjusted so no. chiropractic work and there is a massive community of people that like listening to women eat cereal yeah. so i'm right there with um with steven in regards to having uh, uh i guess sensory stimulation from from what i hear it,
1: um so i must say mukbang i think is an extension of that as well isn't it mm,
0: yeah exactly um but what the question i have for for steven apart from this particular female's episodes what else attracts you to do you see any great finds on it like do you do you find yourself going into your cupboard and and searching for stuff that you could possibly tout on there
2: well to be fair you can actually i I put you probably learn more in an episode of antiques road trip than you do on any other program you watch that day because even because when you're going through like the antique shops. that explain where something is and where it comes from, and you get a little bit of history. So you do actually. I like that you learn stuff as well. And it's all very gentle and kind of yeah, yeah.
1: very peaceful and relaxing. Yeah, yeah. Take away from stresses of the world.
2: Yeah,
1: that's but it. no,
2: I haven't. I haven't seen any. No, I don't have any antiques, anything like that, really. No, I've got a Doctor Who book that's worth two hundred quid. Yeah,
1: but that doesn't really count. So in your ideal world, you'd want to sell that. You would want to sell your Doctor Who book with the presence of that BBC presenter. Yeah, alongside it. Okay. Yeah, yeah.
0: Is it a guilty pleasure for you because you think you're above that type of show, or you shouldn't?
2: I feel like I could, I could. If I was to watch TV, I could be investing my time better. Yeah.
0: Yeah, especially if you're just following a few episodes with, for a particular female. So, yeah. yeah, you could yeah. you could be doing a lot better there. No, definitely.
1: <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. So, so let's talk about Bonding. Um, that's your pick, and uh, page. what's happening with
0: that? Yeah, so Bonding is a Netflix original series, which I previously mentioned. It was first released on the 24th of April, 2019. And each episode is really short, to say it's... Each episode lasts between 13 to 17 minutes and it stars a psychology student who moonlights as a dominatrix and she enlists the help of her gay best friend um, to be her assistant. By the way, her gay best friend also works as a waiter and an aspiring stand-up comedian with stage fright. So you can hear every single beat about that should repulse me and make me want to throw up all over my bedroom floor, but I found myself really engaged in it. I I don't know whether it's because I I probably want to do some more research on BDSM, or I kind of connected with the gay character, not because I have uh, I share in that lifestyle, but because there's no each... shame in that. No, no, there's no shame in that at all. I I I when it comes to being flamboyant and feminine, feminine, I'm probably the most flamboyant and feminine person. On this podcast, Jay included. But what I would say is, I think that um, the stand-up comedian element really uh, drew my attention, and the, I guess the con- conversion idea that y- you want to be a stand-up but you have stage fright and a fear of, of public speaking, I found that really encouraging. All, all the other stuff is is really a lot of fluff, and there has been a lot of criticism from the BDSM community saying this is like just poor stereotypes and you're giving us a bad image and you're, you're, you're showing that a dominatrix cannot separate her, her, her role. Cause it's acting. Yeah. It's acting for, from her personal life and she's kind of blending the two. So I, I felt a bit bad that I'm kind of, um, nominating. I, well, yeah, no, not nominating that, but, um, I, <laughs> I am. Adding to the fact that this will get another season because it does have quite high ratings, even though it's given an inaccurate uh, portrayal of people in that lifestyle. Um, sex, sex people tend to be quite serious. Sex people, <laughs> commercial sex, people. sex workers. Thank you sex very much. <laughs> <laughs> exactly.
2: oh, no, 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 no. I'm not talking about that. No, no. I don't. I don't mean that. I mean sex people that take sex really seriously. Like, you know, it's a joke from Alan Partridge. where oh. He's invited for the film and he goes, you're sex people. <laughs> you're sex people. You know, the okay. people who kind of see sex as more than fun as some kind of serious thing that they have to blog about. Because of the transaction, yeah. Yeah. Well, I find them a little dull. To sex
0: people. Yeah, sex people. <laughs> it's yeah. just a bit of fun.
1: <laughs> Leave it alone. <laughs> I want to say one thing about Bonding, because I think I, I've watched a couple of episodes of it. And, um, <laughs> a couple? Might, yeah. Uh, yeah uh, and, uh, you yeah, just a, a, a non-gen-specific couple. But um, I, I think I didn't get into it deeply because I was probably looking for, the, for it to be a comedy. And it wasn't so much a comedy. I felt it was more... Maybe the appreciation of it is that it's grounded in a type of reality. And I know that the BDSM community is not representative, but I think this idea that it seemed to be more recent in terms of it was trying to take a stab at talking about minimum, not minimum wage and zero hours contracts and people on low pa- creative people in low paying jobs to get by until they get to, to that creative zenith that they're looking for and people who are perhaps in an underground subculture, but also um, doing it very consistently. Like those two, well, it felt like it was about a world of employment uh, clashing together, like a subculture world of employment and a mainstream world of employment, and how those two characters from those different worlds got on.
0: I I thought it was really interesting because it it kind of threw young people into that world, whereas when you think of BDSM, you just think of like, old repressed politicians, particularly Tory politicians getting whipped by some, uh, some, some, some redhead foxy lady um, with a very long whip. Um, But yeah, I think the fact they had two very young co-stars in it and how they're trying to navigate that world. I found quite interesting as a person who is raised or was raised Catholic and very prudish
1: on mm. the whole. So the guilt there is, it's not representative of the BDSM community. But on the other hand, it's young people getting to perform on a bigger platform as the main characters
0: in a BDSM BDSM universe.
1: Cool, cool, cool.
0: I did, <laughs> I did, I did, I did uh, uh, say out loud a couple of hell marys yeah. after watching each episode, so just to cleanse my soul.
1: I just want to say one thing about the BDSM thing before we move on. Do they explore the, all of the different types of BDSM? Like I don't know Shibari, Sub-Gods? absolutely not.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> There's no, it's just, it's just surface level stuff. Let's not go wild here. <laughs> okay. Remember, each episode's thirteen to seventeen minutes. Sure. If you if you're determined, you could bang out both series in a in a good morning. So yeah, <laughs> okay. don't, don't expect too much.
1: Okay, um, I, I, I'm going to say American Gods is um, my... That doesn't
0: strike me as a, a, a guilt
1: watch, I'm going to say straight away. That's what I yeah. was going to say as well. <laughs> yeah, it is... Is Amazon Prime is like a high-budget, intentional, um, well-casted series. I just think... I, I think I realised early on it doesn't really go anywhere. Um, I think American Gods is the circus attraction that Martin Scorsese has accused the Marvel... Uh, franchise have of been, of which is it's it's got cinematographic scenes and shots, but the plot is so meandering and rambling that it never really hits the mark. I think the fascination about American Gods is its use of CGI uh, in incorporating into the story and also its way it, it, it goes off on a tangent to tell anecdotes. So if you're not familiar with American Gods, American Gods is the adaptation of a book by Neil Gaiman. And Neil Gaiman is like quite a well-renowned prolific writer. And it stars um, Ian McShane, who has uh, featured in Game of Thrones, and Ricky Whittle, who's of the less famous um, Colleoes. And the story is meant <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I think we've got Stephen's opinion of polyester. But um, American Gods is basically um, it's about an ex-convict named Shadow who meets a mysterious man who calls himself Wednesday, and then he goes on a kind of road trip to find out more about his life and his past. But what we are soon to realise is there's a war going on between what's known as the old gods um, which have been from ancient times, and the new gods which are more related to um, technology, uh, uh, multi-corporationism, and um, even media. And I just feel like it's very underwhelming because the war never takes place. There's lots of meandering monologues and lots of exposition to say where these characters come from. But essentially it's a road trip where, where it's just meeting after meeting after meeting. No one actually has like a big fight or clash. And these are supposed to be gods of yore who are on the verge of having a fight. And I feel like I've been taken along on a a mesmerising, neon-lit, hallucinogenic ride. You just want a big punch-up. Yeah, I just want a big punch-up. I want to see a gods versus gods war and Mm -hmm. the aftermath of it and the consequences of it. And I just feel like I'm watching a kind of a pornographic filter on an Amazon funded project
0: sorry to cut you off where's the guilt because i'm looking now it has a rating of 92 percent
1: no i mean this is this is what i'm saying american gods i think on imdb it started off as a 9.0 um on the first season rating season two and season three have come out and that's dropped down to a 7.8 and there's a lot of criticism about season two because season two had a lot of characters that weren't really going anywhere, and it was all based on the premise that a war was going to start, and it never really happens. And there's a kind of an annoying character in it called Emily, um, called Laura Moon, played by Emily brownie who ends up becoming a dead wife, who never really learns or has a proper character arc, and she goes around kind of like bitching and moaning about not being with her husband and wanting to kill Wednesday, and then kind of falling in love with a leprechaun called Mad Sweeney, who basically his own function is to just walk around as her sidekick, giving her good luck, because she's um, got his lucky coin. So the gods are kind of impotent in their power. They never really do anything.
0: Um, Can I just say, can I just say, um, Emily Brown, Browning has some fantastic cheekbones. Like, oh, oh my goodness. (laughs) Glorious (laughs) Glorious <laughs> cheekbones, and also I was going to say, you 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 highlighted the star of Hollyoaks fame, and for me Hollyoaks fame Hollyoaks would have been a bigger guilty pleasure than yes. the American Gods <laughs> right now. <laughs> but um, I get what you're saying about characters not going anyway. Do you think that because Amazon is is obviously the richest corporation in the world right now, yeah? Do you think they have a lot of style over of substance? problem going on over
1: there yeah yeah if you're an amazon prime member um you can watch you can watch your prime video content in a in a 720p or hd but um, i think if you're a regular member or if you want to pay for the extra service you can watch it in uh 4k and uhd and i think i'm I, I think i might be sold on american gods because of its um, Pixelation—the the amount I can download in the pixelation—not because of the quality. But um, Stephen, you wanted to jump in and say something. Did I? Um, How are you I—I know. Hand up. I, 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 no, I was just interested. It's going back
2: ages to um, when you said about because in Doctor Who, the old gods are the gods that existed before the Big Bang.
1: Yeah.
2: bled kind of into this universe? Yeah.
1: Kind
2: of. By yeah. The Big Bang. Exactly. Yeah, is that what? Is
1: that yeah, so we, we were supposed to have old gods like Norse mythology, old gods from e- Egyptology, old gods from um, American Indian um, history as well. Who were supposed to be fighting against social media and the world, which is kind of uh, globalization and um, new technology. And they never really work out a way that they can clash, they just have arguments with each other in fancy boardrooms. And uh um, yeah, I mean it's, that's
2: like that sounds like good omens. That's the same thing. It's just
1: yeah, but they, good yeah. omens is about trying to two angels trying to stop the end of the world. We're talking about a story where, where gods are at war each, with each other, okay. but they meet so many times, it's kind of like they're just friend they're they're just like business it's like business owners having board meetings. That's what it feels like. And I feel I've been missalts and PPI of my <laughs> on my Amazon Prime. So I feel like I've got caught up in the, the cinematography. I've, I've been sold the circus. So Martin Scorsese, I'm sorry. I'm one of those guilty, guilty watchers.
0: It sounds like, um, this American Gods is like a, a, a God's drama of a version of the good wife, like a legal drama, which yeah. sounds like it would do good in a courtroom. Also, yeah. I was going to say the difference between American Gods, what it sounds like to me and, uh, and was it the omen or the good omen the
1: good, the good omens yeah
0: is that the good omens rooted in christianity whereas american gods looks like it validates every single religion that's ever existed ever yeah. anywhere yeah. on the planet which exactly. is which is a new take yeah um i've ever seen uh, in um episcopalianism isn't that basically all religions are no not, i thought uh, Buddhists. i thought Buddhists believe in
1: i thought there is something which is kind of all gods are right yeah possibly Um, before we move on i'll say one saving grace for american gods in season three because it's got three seasons now is they are more gender uh, inclusive in the third (laughs) season and they are trying to introduce more characters from different backgrounds there's an ongoing uh uh, gay relationship between a jinn which is from the muslim culture between sally a character called Salim, played by Omid Abtai, who has a love affair with a jinn, which is supposed to be the god representation of Islam. Uh, but that kind of stops in season two, and he's kind of a love-long character who meets other um, non-binary and uh, gender-fluid characters in this Adventures of season three.
0: But, why are these, yeah. why, why these gods assigned gender anyway? It's a bit silly, isn't it, if you're supposed to be a god of all people?
1: Well, um, you have to ask the creators of that one. So that might be an Achilles heel, so to speak, of that series. Um, But coming over to Stephen, um, you mentioned before um, the one beginning with B, um, Death in Paradise. Death
0: Death in Paradise? What's (laughs) that one there?
1: (laughs) Yeah. The taste of the Caribbean, like Lil. I mean,
2: it's everything that a crime drama or crime fiction shouldn't be. Uh, it's just all the characters are paper thin. I've been I've watched like two, three seasons now. And the, the, the main uh, female character is called Florence, not Florence. Florence. And uh, I don't know anything about her, apart from that she's a policewoman. And I've, I've seen her in about, you know, 20 odd hours of, of police work. And I don't know anything about her at all. And I don't know if she's got any family. I don't know. None of the characters It's all, yeah. You know, it's all there for the service of the plot. So it's just like every episode starts with murder, and then you know whichever British guy there is over there at the moment, he comes along, and then they identify four suspects. Always four suspects, and then he just exactly yeah. the same second act, going around interviewing everyone, and then at the end he gets them all together and then explains to them like in a prior <laughs> mystery he done it. It's exactly the same every episode.
1: Yeah, exactly
2: the same it exists I mean it's a ratings um, giant on the BBC they love it yeah you
1: know, do, you, do you think that right. series suffers from like a white saviour complex of having well, that's like,
2: one the the of the British detectives of it, come the, over they, you know it's a it's this white guy in charge of the police but he's not in charge because Fengy for Rising Dam is in charge and um, <laughs> <laughs> he's in charge and then he got the cats in it as well obviously for Red Dwarf so Oh, Danny John-Jules. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. every black British actor ever, I think, has been in it at some point.
0: Um, They just just shipped them back to where they came from. Every brick (laughs) box is wet dream. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I was going to say, but do we know much about Priro? Do we know much about Colombo? Like, I think the only.
2: Do we? Yeah, yeah, but no. In this, I mean, they they have no characters. The characters have no character. They're just police people, basically. Yes. And the dialogue is so pedestrian and so, it, it, and yet, and I can't take Dougal really seriously as a police officer. Yes. It's,
1: can we, can we just, just step into this? Because the British detectives who play the lead detective of the series have been uh, Chris Marshall from the famous TV series on BBC My Family. We've had um, Ardo O'Hanlon, who's been from uh, Father Ted. Uh, ben Miller, who's one half of Armstrong and Miller, and Ralph Little from, um, oh, sorry, the royal family. So, All, com- yeah. All comedy Wait, actors. Yeah.
0: Is it, it is a comedy, though, isn't it? No, no, it's a drama. <laughs> no, nah, I thought it was a comedy it's like, drama. It's a like, light like drama. It's a mystery. It's a mystery show. No, because I, I tried to watch one episode and the accents just killed me. I was like, no, I'm not having any of this. So I really <laughs> thought. They, they were never taking themselves seriously in that oh, show? No,
2: it, it, it's serious as it needs to be to be an actual thing about life and death and murder.
0: Okay, but you did you <coughs> used to watch Jonathan Creek? Yeah. yeah. It's not as funny as that.
2: It's not like that. It's not as funny as
0: that. Oh, no. You can't, you're you moving the goalposts, I think, because Jonathan Creek, obviously, you had all the murder and stuff, but it still was deep-rooted in a lot of comedy as well because...
2: Oh, yeah, but that was genuinely kind of funny originally. Um, Death in Paradise is none of that. There, none is. There's, there's nothing. There's no line of dialogue you haven't heard before in another
0: program. I want to I, say- I, I just think, like, again, comedy is sub- <laughs> is subjective, and I think you are missing the punchlines a lot more because oh, no, did- punchlines are crap. No, that's what I'm saying. So I do <laughs> think they. A lot of the comedy is based around a CGI lizard. Yeah, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Listen, i didn't i didn't really want to argue this point this much. I don't really care about death in paradise like that, but I, I do think they are trying to be a comedy. And obviously, if the jokes that, are landed. Right.
2: It's trying to be light for a kind of mis for a murder mystery, it's trying to be light, but it's not a comedy.
1: I've, I've got to say something. Um uh, my mum loves that series, and somehow I think she watches it on BBC when it's on and whatever day type channel it comes on yeah. BBC history, where it is. But I think, I don't think she watches it for the mystery or the um, comedy. I actually think she watches it because it's a it's reference seen. point to look at the landscape of back home. So I think she actually likes Delvin. I'm not sure what Caribbean island it takes. The Guadalupe. Uh, yeah, but I think she enjoys the scenery, the idyllic scenery of the, that they've shot it in because as a. It's not just of about praying. Yeah, as a, as a BBC show, it's co- probably got the most exotic um, locations out of all of the series that they do.
0: Well, can I just say, it is a joint production between the UK and France, so that might uh, give you some idea why it's still going. And why um, it's in
1: Guadeloupe.
0: Th- yeah. Yeah, yeah, and why it's in Guadeloupe. So I think um, it's getting ratings from, from, I think... Both countries. Yeah, yeah, both both nations and stuff like that. Cool, but... Cool. Um, yeah, no, I that's definitely a guilty pleasure. I would, I wouldn't be called, Yeah, okay. watching that, it, I, wouldn't <laughs> be called, I wouldn't be called I be dead watching that. They would have to come and solve my mystery <laughs> of my death for me to be on that show.
1: <laughs> yeah, and and which uh, white British actor is a former comedy star? Would you want to be solving your death? Probably
0: Ben Miller. I like the original. I think everyone else that came after him was just a cheap imitation. Yeah, um, I didn't, I didn't like okay. anyone I, I after. See Noel Fielding slipping in there
1: quite nicely. I think I'd pick Julian Barrett if it was for me. I'll I think
0: Noel Fielding would be too weird for that island. <laughs> I was kind of tongue in cheek. Yeah, no, but I was just thinking like I, I really just imagined him on the island, like, <laughs> like doing his his weird stuff, like on Br- Great British Bake Off. Um, so, okay. so,
1: so, should we move on to the next one? Which yes. is. Um, you've got a, a strangely titled one or a curiously titled one called Pose. What's going on in, in that? Strangely scene? titled? Mm-hmm. I don't know what it means. Pose could be anything. I'm thinking of Madonna doing both.
0: Yeah, exactly. That's exactly what it is. Like you got it in a nutshell. So, like, it's basically what what it says on the tin. So, Pose is a American TV drama series based in New York City during the 1980s, and it it has a cast predominantly of black americans and latino americans of the lgbtq plus and gender non-conforming i guess culture and it's all about drag balls and drag race and rupaul and that type of stuff and striking a pose and getting trophies and also the aids pandemic and the fact that um a lot of uh, transgender women at the time in order to live a life um they had to do prostitution on the side but at night, they used to also go and participate in these competitions where they felt alive and the only time they felt seen by society. And they did actually address something in there around how much uh, attention the Madonna song Vogue did for them and how it was just a moment. And these people had mm-hmm. to live um, the life. Yeah. What what Stephen's doing right now? Very <laughs> limp <laughs> limp wristedly, though, <laughs> you, you will know not win a trophy doing that my friend
1: when you when you described it i thought it was going to be something like the fame series from the 1980s but now it sounds a bit more like the 1990 documentary paris is burning is that correct
0: oh it's definitely from that it, it, it definitely why why it gave birth did you watch paris is burning
1: I've seen the trailers. Um, I, I'm ashamed to say I haven't got around to watching it, but I know it's a highly acclaimed
0: documentary. Yeah, it's a fantastic <laughs> documentary. Yeah. And a lot of the storylines within Pose are actually stripped, ripped straight out of that documentary, which was nice to see and, and see some recognition in that sense. You know what, the first series actually starred Evan Peters, okay. which is a massive thing because obviously he is from um, the X-Men fox universe playing mm. quicksilver mm. um so yeah he he played a a person who worked in trump towers but also mm. um fell in love with angel who was a transgender model it, mm. um she, she turned it but also before she became a model she was a prostitute who an angel in the show is actually played by um mj um no no that's not that's not
1: I'll find out. Um Whilst you find it out, I just wanted to ask, is is this supposed to be a biopic based on real life stories or is it kind of a narrative fiction? A Malibu-
0: narrative fiction. So like a lot of the stories are taken from headlines, but they're not the same characters. It's just like based on what this happened. And it it's just giving you a feel for what what um, you've had going go on. Um,
2: unless you're incredibly homophobic, I don't see how this is a guilt
0: watch. Uh, because i i never knew anything about uh drag balls and stuff like that because yeah. it's nothing it's nothing like rupaul's drag race yeah I okay think, i did not
2: see where the guilt comes in
0: That's i think all. i think i think the guilt comes in is that i i think with this show um especially if you're not particularly uh masculine um kind of i think by watching this show like blokey blokes will think that their masculinity has been taken away and I'm not that type of person Yeah, but I feel that's always playing in the back of your mind that mm. this is a show for a particular community and culture yeah. and me now speaking about it when I have no experience of, it, of that lifestyle that. or being a part of that community and I could be doing a massive disservice right now how I'm even explaining it yeah. and it would have been uh, I think it would have been better if we had someone from that specific community to come on and speak yeah. about how they felt looking at that and what people within that uh, overall community had to go through in the 1980s. It was it was very uh, tragic. I
1: mean, maybe we'd we'll love have, we'll have to see if we can find something to discuss it. I mean, I can understand it being a guilt-wash in terms of seeing that platform or showcase of all of these characters and then maybe thinking to yourself, I've never really watched a show or a film that demonstrates this character's lifestyle before before this.
0: That's Actually, I tell you what I I'll tell you what the guilty pleasure about it was is that I watched all these competitions, and I thought to myself, I could do better than them. <laughs> and I'm not even like, <laughs> I mean, if I was there, I'd be slaying all these bitches. That's that's how <laughs> that's where the guilty pleasure came about. But um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
2: have have you seen um It's a Sin, which is a British kind of version of the same same type of area.
0: No, let me let me have a look.
1: Yeah, I think that's the 80s um TV series on channel four talking about um um what it was like to live in a gay community or be on the gay scene during the, uh-huh. I think the AIDS pandemic during the eighties, I think.
0: That's so you how- got Russell T. Davis. I, I don't like him. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't you know what it is. You must like
1: him because he re, reignited Doctor Who,
0: didn't he? I didn't know, but he, no, he, yes, he did reignite Doctor Who. But I didn't, I didn't say I, I liked how he reignited it. I think he, he did bring Doctor Who to a new generation. But there's something about him which I find kind of arrogant. Oh no!
2: Funny arrogant. He's kind of, he's very self-deprecating. Yeah, it, it's kind of his arrogance is him having a, his fun. Mm. Online there's a thing called that was released in twenty thirteen that the, the six ish doctors which is about the other doctors trying to get into the fiftieth anniversary special mm. he's he, thats like sending himself up it's kind of funny to watch and but okay.
0: us- I'll, I'll i'll add it to the list but yeah no that's why I haven't but yeah no there was a lot of uh applaud for it's a sin but I haven't got round to watching it. Sure, yet yeah. but yeah i might i might give it a go but yeah russell t davis is not my my favorite screenwriter of all time
1: okay well i want to end this on a, a positive note uh so we don't have to push russell t davis to the side um we've all admitted <laughs> I punch guilty. him to the side <laughs> <laughs> we're a non-violent peace performing <laughs> podcast <laughs> just died of brain cancer
0: yeah who huh? What? 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 I know. I know his happened. partner. Yeah, I know his partner died. But oh. what's it going to do with him? No. <laughs> uh, uh, I got no beef with his partner. Anyway, go and go, on, Trevor. Sorry. Uh,
1: what we're going to try to do? We've admitted what our guilt watches are, and maybe what I want to ask as we close this out is: what is the guilt watch you can see yourself watching over the next, within the next three to six months? What what series has kind of piqued your interest? Grange Hill. Grange Hill. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> why where did you go back to Grange Hill?
2: That's a bit nostalgic. I, I noticed it, it's just it's been out, it was uploaded to Brit Box recently and I thought first four seasons. And I yeah. thought I could I could watch Grange Hill again.
1: <laughs> so Grange Hill yeah. was like the BBC series in the eighties, uh, about what the the kind of drama
2: drama, it was the like, kids drama it was of the eighties. It's
1: the kids school drama that had a yeah. okay, interesting. Um MK, what would you say is a guilt watch you can see yourself watching in the next like
0: three months or so? Um, I don't know if it's a guilt watch, it's probably gonna be a, a guilty hate. There's this uh new Netflix TV series called Emily in Paris, and by all oh, accounts, yeah. it's the worst show ever. And it even yeah. got nominated for a few Emmys when it's just so overtly racist to French people. And th- Don't get me wrong. I don't mind people being racist to French people. I haven't had great experience with French people myself. But now what you call good racism? Um, yeah, that's the perfect racism. That's that's the good old Brexit <laughs> racism that we all love to see. But what I was going to say is it's, it's probably just poorly written anyway, as well.
1: I, I think um, yeah, I've, I saw a twenty minute, fifty minute breakdown. I'll try and say it quickly, but um, I think the, the the phrase they the guy the guy used racist towards French people because he was French and he critiqued it saying French culture was just seen in a stereotypical life. But I think the word he wanted was xenophobia. And I think the issue is it's like social influences gone rogue in France. And it's, I think that's why it's a horrible watch. Um, but yeah, if you, if you end up getting through one season of that or one episode of that, I salute you. Um, okay.
0: Yeah. I, I'm not, I'm not too optimistic about it. Actually,
1: yeah. to be fair, um, oh,
0: you go as well. New girl yeah? apparently Pretty
2: good. Someone told me new girl is really good. New girl.
1: Okay. That's not guilty pleasure.
0: It's a good show. You're gonna love it.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think so. okay. Okay. okay, okay, okay. I I haven't got a guilty pleasure series at the moment, so unfortunately I can't contribute to that. But I I would say I've got a guilty pleasure series that I have that I might recommend watching. A uh, which is High maintenance. Um it's behind so many paywalls, it's unbelievable. So unfortunately, I've had to go around some back doors of the internet to watch it. It's a very, it's very popular in America, but I don't think it's well known outside of the US. And I think it's an amazing story about a, a guy who spends his time as a weed dealer trying to alleviate the anxiety and stress of his past But the story cleverly focuses on why people buy the weed and instead of why um he how he sells the weed so it starts off the web series starts off as like five or six minute episodes but they got bought by hbo after nine nine episodes 19 episodes and they did four seasons and i might re-watch that again because i think it's a high quality show but my guilt from that is i'm not paying amazon to watch it so i'm sorry about that, amazon Uh, so that's my um guilt watch recommendation um guys thank you for joining me on this episode and um of pulling your trousers down about what you have watched and spent too much time on. I feel like you came know. out
2: much worse than everyone else. Everyone else seems to be watching quite decent TV programs. <laughs> <laughs> <Funny>. No,
0: <laughs> I, I think um, I. Okay, no, Death in Paradise is a, is a piece of crap. Yeah. Actually, yeah, and Antiques uh, Road Trip is crap. Yeah, you're right. You you, you did worse. Mm. What are you doing, man?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I I think MKH probably did the best out of all of us because at least he tried to step outside of his comfort zone and explore different cultures, whether it's BDSM or LGBTQI plus and non-binary dot, 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 ellipsis. I'm not sure of all the categories, but um, guys, thank you for joining me. I appreciate the time. Did you enjoy that, Stephen? Yes. Okay. Well, thanks for being on board and I hope to get you on another hot topic. MKH, did you enjoy confessing your uh, guilty pleasure?
0: yeah you know what actually thinking about it i, I should not have had pose maybe i should have picked another one <laughs> but um no yeah no because poses it shouldn't be a guilty pleasure i should be out and proud about loving pose but i will stick with bonding yeah. just because of the criticism it faced as but, yeah, one of no, the, i enjoyed it
1: <laughs> as one of the characters says in a uh, mandalorian you have spoken um thank you for joining me on this episode thank you for taking part in listening we really appreciate your ears time and uh, opportunity to be part of your audio day um geek sweat is over and out that was hot topic bye for now